Welcome to The Growth Factor, a broadcast ministry of St. Mark Baptist Church. Today, as part of our family, you will experience the life-changing and spirit-nurturing Word of God. Please enjoy this time with us as we're committed to helping you grow in knowledge, grow in faith, and grow in God. St. Mark Baptist Church, you grow here. Welcome back to the Growth Factor Podcast, a broadcast ministry of the St. Mark Baptist Church here in Little Rock, Arkansas. My name is Pastor John. I'm the Connections Pastor here at St. Mark, and I'm joined, as always, by our senior pastor, Dr. Philip L. Pointer Sr., and this is the Growth Factor. We've been walking through a series um, as part of our theme for this year and Dig Deeper called Make It Make Sense. We walked through uh, observation, we walked through investigation, and now we're looking at application, but we're looking at it from a very specific lens as we look at finding Christ in the Old Testament. And we're going to start this episode in creation. You don't want to miss it. So tonight we're going to be talking about finding Christ in the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. And I'm excited. Yeah. I'm very excited about this session because this is going to help people who read the Old Testament and kind of see it as antiquated. Uh, we talk about the questions that we ask of a text. And one of the questions that you need to ask is, where is Christ mm -hmm. in this? Or if I can rework that old Tina Turner classic, what's Christ got to do with it? <laughs> yeah. So what we're going to look at tonight is the beginning of what will be several sessions where we look at Old Testament passages and we try to find Christ in those passages. Yeah. And one of the things that's really interesting is that many people have barriers when they read the Old Testament yeah. and it's not just the saints. No, no. When you look at people's uh, preaching diets as preachers, a lot more preachers are more comfortable preaching New Testament passages than Certainly. they are Old Testament passages. So those barriers aren't just for you know, lay people, but also for pastors and preachers, too. Yeah, uh, I think, uh, Pastor John, one of the one of the things that we got, we're going to confess tonight, we're going to let we let you in on so many preaching secrets that all preachers have pet passages mm -hmm. and genres. One of the things we talk about uh, in the study of Scripture is knowing which genre you're in and some genres are easier mm. um, depending on your personality, your study habits, the things that kind of uh, uh, tickle your intellectual fantasy, those kinds of things, uh, uh, fancy. Uh, so um, the Old Testament is in many ways for not just persons in the pew, mm. uh, but for some preachers, it's an intimidating uh, a collection of writings <laughs> um, for several reasons, which we'll talk about in a moment. But um, it's worth digging and doing the 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 mining work. You know, we've we've used um, the illustration frequently through this season um, and in this study that you know, gold and found on top of the ground, um, and 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 silver is you know you got to dig for that which is valuable. Uh, Christ is on every page of the Bible. We're going to talk about um, that truth. We know that if you study the New Testament correctly, <laughs> it will tell you that Jesus is everywhere in the old as well. Mm -hmm. uh, and and, uh, and it, it, it would be helpful for us to see how those uh, interrelate, how they are necessary to and for each other, and how all of it 
points to the person and work mm. of Jesus Christ. Yeah. So let's talk about some of those barriers because people are, are saying, amen, I get it because the Old Testament is just so hard for me to read. I want to just identify some of those barriers because I know it's going to resonate with some people. Mm-hmm. That first one, I think, is the relevance right. of the Old Testament. You're talking about something that's written thousands, 2000 B.C. and forward many, many, many years ago. Right. And so the New Testament is much closer in time for us to be able to relate to. Yeah. And when you go back to the ancient Near East and you're talking about these idol gods, you're talking about Baal worship mm-hmm. and you're like, what is all of this? <laughs> yeah. So we're more inclined to understand the Greek culture, even though we don't understand it completely. Yeah. Uh, our Western context actually is closer to the Greek culture than it is the ancient Near East religions. Very, very much so. The, the, the Greek philosophy and culture has a lasting influence on the way we do life every day. Democracy and, and those kinds of things um, uh, come from the Greek culture of the New Testament. Um, the cultures, plural, <laughs> of the Old Testament uh, are very different and seem further away, not just in time, but in terms of concept and, and what was important. Yeah. Um, the, the things that were ritualistic, um, the, the, the things that were, um, that were uh, communi- communal uh, concerns, their mores, not just their morals, but their mores were very, very different. Uh, and so, yeah, that, that sense that, oh, that was way back yonder and I have no point of reference for right. it. Um, but the common thing that unites all people at all times is our need for rescue from the wrath of God mm. uh, and that we are real people in real situations. And reading the Old Testament requires that lens as well. These are real people in real situations. Yeah, so you're going to see that common theme show up uh, in the New Testament, Old Testament over and over again. So a lot of people are asking, hey, what does this B.C. text have to do with my A.D. life? Yeah. I'm living in 2022 A.D. Yeah. So I want to read something that is in the actual time frame that I've been in. And the New Testament is written in 30-ish A.D. So I think that that's one of the barriers that many people have. And then they also, I mean, we all all do this. We treat the Old Testament like it's a stepchild. Yeah. Like the golden child is the New Testament. Right. And... The Old Testament is over there in the corner. Yeah, it's it, like that Cinderella story, yeah, right? Yeah, and, and it's and it's some of us grew up with those little New Testament Bibles yeah. that <laughs> did, they they didn't even include the Old Testament. Just they had Proverbs and Psalms nope, in there. That's it. And just then the New. You know what I mean? And just just have that with you because that's all you need is the New. Yeah. And and you you a couple songs and a little wisdom, <laughs> but you don't need Abraham and Isaac and them and them right. So. Um, that that idea that it's a lesser mm-hmm. revelation mm-hmm. or a lesser uh, a less significant uh, part of the scripture is is something that again in our many of us grew up with if you're a church baby um, it being treated as if it was something extraneous or yeah. you know something nice but not necessary yeah. Another barrier is that it really is harder to read mm-hmm. and to understand. We've done a study on languages and Hebrew and Greek and how Hebrew is much more difficult to read and understand for some people. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, the Old Testament is just going to be a tough read just yeah. overall and generally. This is where you're going to have the long genealogy. Yeah. And you give up on them halfway yeah. through. Yeah. So uh, that's one of the barriers that's going to show up in the Old Testament. It's just really hard, hard to read. Well, yeah. I mean, so... I want to I want to partner this with another 
barrier, John, which is the idea of selfishness that comes from the Western culture. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason genealogies are so difficult is because we think of it individualistically. We read it to say, what does this have to do with me? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I can't see why uh, this name I can't pronounce begat that name I can't pronounce begat that name I don't understand. What does that have to do with me? Mm-hmm. Rather than understanding the communal nature and aspect, um, and, and the New Testament will reveal the importance of genealogies in that Matthew and Luke will give us um, Jesus's paternal genealogy, maternal gene- genealogy, and then John gives us his eternal gene- genealogy. The, mm-hmm. the idea that genealogy is important, community is important. Um, the thing about that cultural distance, again, is that 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 self-centeredness that we inherit and we all fight against in our Western um, uh, uh, cultural upbringing is is the Old Testament's language is different. Mm. So it's 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 not all simply trying to tell a linear chronological story. Um, it's trying to speak a point a cultural um uh, uh significant culturally significant uh principle uh some experience or revelation of god and then a lot of it is poetry we talked mm-hmm. about genres mm-hmm. and much of the misunderstanding is because we want everything to be literal yeah and we miss that things are figurative and they speak about principles and and characteristics of god but they are not to be understood literally they are to be understood liter- literarily. <laughs> uh, so I am to know that the genre matters. Now, here's the thing. Even it's hard in English. And, and here's a, a living example. It's hard in English because our minds work. We read left to right. Yep. Well, the Old Testament is written in Hebrew and some Aramaic, but it's right to left. The, the, even the part of the page you start on is different <laughs> when you're trying to understand. It's trying to, like trying to read it upside down or inside out and the same way culturally and 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 societally and all of those matters even in terms of the language one of the one of the other critical things when you look at the original hebrew it's a picture language yeah uh so the so the the letters themselves the letters of the alphabet uh are of the hebrew alphabet are are more picture than they are simply uh something scribbled uh, and so that all of those things factor into the to the difficulty and why it's the New Testament just seems so much easier when we compare the two uh, to 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 try to understand what this means in my life. Yeah. You know? And so I think we want to talk about the big one of the biggest barriers, I think, when reading the Old Testament is that many people read it with a Christless lens mm-hmm. without thinking about Christ in the text. Mm-hmm. And it's not because they don't want to. Yeah. They probably don't know how to. Yeah. And he, that's, that's he, why we want to do this session. Tonight. He's not just on the top of the surface <laughs> as readily as we would like for him to be mm-hmm. um, in, in the old Testament scriptures. And, you know, again, new Testament is going to give us, mm-hmm. um, the reason Peter says yeah. that the these old covenant writers were moved as they were led by the spirit. They're being divine inspired. And they didn't even fully understand yeah. the revelation they were being given. They were given, especially you talk about prophets. They were given visions. They were given um, 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 words 
they were given uh, um, um, illustrations mm-hmm. to, to, to talk about. And then they just said it as God said it without any full grasp mm-hmm. of everything that it meant mm-hmm. themselves. Yeah. And here's why it's so important. If you don't read the Old Testament through a Christ centered lens, reading it will crush you. Yes. The the legal standard mm-hmm. that the Old Testament holds up, none of us could adhere to. Yeah. And and you see the Israelites over and over again, the people of God over and over again, failing to live up to the standard. Yeah. But if you read it through a Christ-centered lens, you understand that we have to fail (laughs) in order for us not to end ourselves and that ego that we're talking about so that we can come to that ultimate redeemer, mediator that comes through that Old Testament text that we read. Again, what we've talked about all along through this study, the larger story of the Bible, it's not about you. It's for you. It reveals who God is. Then it reveals our need for Christ, <laughs> then it reveals how God has provided Christ and then how we should live, how we should respond to that provision and how we should live as a result of it. The, if, if I do not grasp that much of scripture, old and new, is telling me how much I need Jesus. Yeah. When you see these awful passages in the Old Testament that don't have any resolution, mm-hmm. you know, you're going to go through uh, some passages in Joshua and Judges and, and, and other passages where there's no re- seemingly redemptive resolution. It doesn't turn out good. Right. It, it ends bad. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the, yes, it ends bad because we need Jesus. <laughs> there's a reason there's no resolution. Yeah, there. The resolution is in Christ. Mm-hmm. The redemption is in Christ. Uh, it is not in us. And that's the, that's when I read it through that lens, mm-hmm. when I read about Jephthah's daughter, Mm-hmm. And judges who is innocent and her father makes this dumb vow. He gets this great victory from God and says, I'm going to kill the first thing that comes out of my house. And it's his daughter. Yeah. And there's no resolution for it. There's nothing happy in, in it. Yeah. Yeah. And you say, Whew, this is why we need Jesus. Because mm-hmm. even in our, in our best, he's a great warrior and yeah. victorious and then still dumb. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, that kind of thing. That's why we need Christ. That's why, that's why. Scripture should guide our, our statements of sacrifice and all of right. those things. That it, 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 is, it is the revelation of the need for Christ yeah. um, and, and, and not this high humanity, humanism point of view. And we're not just saying this. Mm-mm. Like Jesus himself said yeah. that he is the reason that the Old Testament exists. And we're going to look at one passage yeah. uh, this week. We'll look at another one next go round. But John 5, mm-hmm. he says it literally in the text Yeah, as we are looking at why we need to look for him in the Old Testament. Well, he ter- tells this group of religious leaders just that. Um, I'm going to look at John 5, verses 39 through 47. He says, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness about me. Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. I do not receive glory from people, but I know that you do not have the love of God within you. I've come in my father's name and you do not receive me. If another comes in his own name, you will receive him. How can you believe when you receive glory from one another and do not seek the glory that comes from the only God? Do not think that I will accuse you 
to the Father. There is no one who accuses you. Moses, on whom you have set your hope. For if you believe Moses, you would believe me. For he wrote of me. He's talking about Moses who wrote mm-hmm. the Pentateuch. Mm-hmm. Well, scholars say he wrote the Pentateuch. First, first five, five books. books of the Bible. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my word? So here he says, Moses was writing not about the Israelites, <laughs> no. <laughs> no. not about the pagan nations around them. But Moses was writing about me. Yeah. Every page in scripture from Genesis to Malachi in the Old Testament is about Christ himself. And we have to look at scripture through that redemptive lens Mm -hmm. because Moses wrote these books to a people who were a fallen people and who were waiting on this seed that we will talk about here in Genesis three to come and redeem them from that fallen state. So he's writing the whole of scripture, the whole of the first five books of the Bible with that lens to say that there's a redemptive purpose in all of this. Yes. Yes. And and again, the the ability to see Christ in all of those aspects is the privilege of looking backwards to it from a new covenant relationship with God. Yeah. So that Jesus is saying. You can only understand Moses (laughs) by looking through me. Moses wrote, wrote about me, but you will only understand that when you when you look through <laughs> me. You can't you don't even understand Moses right. because you put your hope on him and the fact that you can read that and not see me mm. means you're not reading him. Wow. Way correctly. Mm. That's that's Jesus' literal statement to them. You're not even read, reading Moses right. You're not reading the Old Testament right unless you see it looking toward me and you have to look through me to see what it was saying. P, you know, one of the things that social media has done for us is done many great things. <laughs> but one of the things that really frustrates me the most is that when people post about TV shows and movies that I have not seen yet <laughs> yeah. and they give away the whole yeah. movie and show. Yeah. yeah. I got a DVR. I'm a wait for it. Yeah. But when I see it online i'm like why should i even watch it why should i even watch it i don't even get spoiler alert nothing Mm -hmm. on on my timeline i just get the spoiler immediately but here's what reading the old testament through a christ-centered lens does because jesus himself is god's spoiler alert Mm -hmm. that that jesus that god himself as he's as he's working through the old testament begins with the end in mind yes knowing the redemptive purposes of christ's life he starts knowing the resolution of the story Mm -hmm. and he drops these eggs yeah throughout the old testament that we're supposed to see but we don't necessarily see you know how you get to the end of the movie you're like that's That's what that yeah that's That's, what that that explains it all that's what this is yeah that's what christ-centered reading is it is that now it makes sense. Listen, I, I love I love movies like, um, you know, everyone loves the famous Sixth Sense. There's mm-hmm. another movie called Memento mm-hmm. um, where you it's it's the story is told backwards. You see the ending, you see the resolution, but you don't even know it 
really fully <laughs> or you don't recognize all the details were pointing to it until you see it a second time and a third time mm-hmm. and a fourth time. You say, oh, that makes it. Oh, now I see that. Oh, I see how they let they were telling you the whole thing the whole time. And you just didn't know until they get to the end and give you the key. Um, that that is Christ. Christ is the key mm. to understanding all mm. of the Old Testament and to see from that perspective. Mm. Um it unlocks that my goodness rainbow of truth <laughs> you know what i mean that that treasure trove of truth yeah that encourages our walk with him mm. to see how god was so deliberate in the details every aspect every, every piece and part yeah. of the story of the old covenant mm. um, brings more glory and light to the work of christ and 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 to his mm. redemptive work in our lives as well and that's it, it when you look at it through the lens of Christ, the Old Testament becomes such a beautiful picture yeah. of God's intentionality mm. in the work of redemption. And you start to read it differently. Mm-hmm. I remember when I read Genesis, the creation account, <clears throat> I generally read it through a lens of, okay, uh, six days is that thousands of years. Right. Like I'm trying to figure out the timeline, yeah. the, the yeah. historical timeline yeah. on creation. Yeah. And then when this when I got this truth in me, I'm like, now I need to look and see where is Christ in this? Mm-hmm. Where do I find Christ in the creation account? Yeah. And we're going to help you all out. Yeah. Because some of y'all are day age theories. Y'all <laughs> thinking it's a thousand years and yeah. six thousand years to eight. We don't know how old the earth is. And guess what? Moses didn't care. He wasn't trying to tell you how old it is. <laughs> he wasn't telling you how old the earth is. So we're going to start in the beginning in Genesis one. And help you see Christ in this text. Let, let me drop this little caveat on the, on the how old and day, 24 hours is all of that. First of all, I, y'all, if you hear, hear me teach at all, ever, Genesis 1 is a poem. Yep. It's a poem. It's a song. People want to say, oh, the day, that word day is literal 24 hours. Well, yeah, if it was in prose, but it's a poem. Mm. So it could mean an epoch of time it could mean or it could be a 25 day. i don't know nor does it really matter that much it does not here's the other thing the other thing is we don't know hmm. how long adam and eve existed prior to the fall hmm. we act as if he made them one day they <laughs> failed the next day we don't know <laughs> how long they hung around yep yep before that serpent said hey hmm. Why don't y'all like man, you know, like, y'all they like this a, joint? Like they was a day old. Yeah, like they was old. like yeah, yeah, like they still had you know milk behind it. That's not the case. We or we don't know what the case is. The, the Bible mm. is not trying to give us timelines. It's not a history book. It's a mm. book that reveals God, reveals our need for Christ, reveals how mm. Christ has come and been provided, and then how we should live mm-hmm. as a result. That's what it reveals. Mm. That's the point of it. So you know, argue with uh, y'all theologians, arch, <laughs> and I bet we'll get an email. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead and argue about that. I'm telling you, it don't matter. Don't matter. And it don't matter. And we don't care. No, no, no. no. <laughs> Here's no, what no. we do care about. Yeah. The fact that Christ is in this text, even though he's not explicitly named. Yes. Because if we look at the first couple of verses, we see two members of the Godhead show up. Mm-hmm. But the question is, where is Christ? Right. Verse number one, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void and darkness was over the face of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Now, 
We don't see Christ's name here Mm-mm. in creation. But what we will find when you look at the whole of Scripture mm-hmm. is that you'll find him at work yes. in creation. Yes. Let's take a look at Colossians chapter 1 mm-hmm. because this is going to lay it out plainly. And Paul is going to lay out plainly where Christ was right. in this time because the Spirit is named and God is named. Right. But does not look like uh, Christ himself is until we realize that um, he does show up in the text. Yeah. So let's take a look at it. And and we can talk theologically about the the theological need for distinction mm-hmm. between God the Father and God the Son that is only necessary mm-hmm. in the New Testament. Yeah. It is not necessary in terms of the revelation of who God is for us to know that there's a father son relationship until we get to the stable in Bethlehem. (laughs) That's, that's when it's necessary for us to know this. Um, The scripture is, this is a a, a interpretive law. The scripture is what we call progressive revelation. God doesn't tell us everything about God and salvation and redemption at the same time. Mm -hmm. God progressively over time reveals God's self to us through varying authors and events and experiences and revelation. It is a Mm -hmm. progressive revelation. So Genesis 1, 1 and 2, it wasn't necessarily to say God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, Mm -hmm. start making the world. (laughs) That's not not necessary at that time. What we need to know is that God, God's Spirit, are active to bring first material out of out of nowhere by fiat and Mm. then order to that material Mm. and now colossians is going to teach us how important christ is Mm. by then taking us back to the creation account and showing us where he was then yeah yeah and here's what here's what paul says of christ in uh, colossians 1 15 he is the image of the invisible god Mm -hmm. the firstborn of all creation now if we stop there you're like Firstborn of all creation, but he clarifies it here in the next couple of verses. Yes. For by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created, listen, through him. Yes. And for him. And he is before all things and in him, all things hold together. Yes, indeed. That that verse right there will preach all by itself. It's a wonderful, wonderful thing. <laughs> so what we see here, though, is that all things were one created through him. Mm-hmm. So Jesus is the active force at work. Yes. In creation. Mm-hmm. As you read Genesis one and two, you'll see that Jesus himself is the active force at work in creation. And here's the other important part, not just through him but for him Mm -hmm. that all of creation wasn't about you. Right. (laughs) Right. It was created for him and for his glory and for his around now. And John, I want to back up to that firstborn and I want to talk about that by him, through him, for him, because that firstborn, again, one of our ideas, when we think firstborn, we're thinking order. (laughs) This is not, although it is order, it's, 
more its importance. Mm-hmm. When he says firstborn, we're talking about it's the here's the word preeminence, preeminence yeah. of Christ. When he says the firstborn of all creation, he's saying the most important thing in all creation is Jesus Christ. That's what that that's what the that's mm-hmm. what that concept is. Firstborn means the most important thing, the primary. Mm-hmm. The, the, here's the thing: the by him, the through him, the for him, by his idea, his he's the imaginative force behind yep. creation. Through his effort, he is actively creating. For he is the reason for creation. Here's the thing. When you go back to Genesis and then you start seeing, and God said, let there be, mm-hmm. and God said, and God said, what we're seeing is the active engagement of the idea of God being expressed by the word of God. John 1 is going to tell us Jesus is that word. Yep. So where is Jesus in Genesis 1? Every time God said, it's idea moving through effort. That's Jesus. Yep. That's Christ actively making the world, mm-hmm. creating out of nothing yep. by fiat, the yep. world. Yep. So so let's talk about creation itself and its redemptive purposes. I want you all to write down uh, Ephesians 1, 3 through 6, because mm-hmm. I think Revelation 13 captures this mm-hmm. whole idea. So yeah. write down uh, Ephesians 1, 3 through 6, and let's look at Revelation 13, verses 7 and 8. And we talked about this briefly in one of our previous episodes, one of the spooky ones. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not going to go there, but uh, what this text says is really going to be helpful because this deals with the first beast that comes um, and it really goes through this persecution of the people. And here's what it, here's what it says in verse number seven. Um, this beast was allowed to make war on the saints and to conquer them. And authority was given over every tribe and people and language and nation and all who dwell on earth will worship it. Everyone whose name has not been written before the foundation of the world in the book of life of the lamb who was slain. Now, theologically, that means that the folks whose name are written in the book of life won't go through this. They won't, they're not going to, they're not going to have to deal with it. Not going to have to deal with this, but this English translation doesn't really get to the meaning of the Greek text, which literally means in and of itself it says those whose name have not been written in the book of life of the lamb who was slaughtered before the foundation of the world yeah so scripture tells us that the lamb of god was slaughtered previously yeah. to creation yeah that in god's mind understanding human nature and understanding that we will fall knowing that he was going to have to send his son to redeem us that christ himself the end again that author language he began with the end in mind yeah knowing that before i even said let there be light the lamb of god was slaughtered on your behalf right (laughs) right and and the understanding the redemptive plan Mm. i think is what informs the degree of our worship the intensity of our praise mm-hmm. and the depth of our commitment. Does. The idea that God was so committed to you mm-hmm. that because God exists outside of time, the transcendent God 
is experiencing your rebellion mm -hmm. at the same time that this transcendent God is sending the sun at the same time that that transcendent God is is allowing the Calvary, Calvary experience to happen. This this idea that before time began, God committed <laughs> to redeem you. Yes, sir. Before you committed anything that needed to you needed to be redeemed from mm. that, that, that idea is is mind blowing. And so that where is Christ in creation? He is already set up to sacrifice himself. Mm. He is actively making a world. <laughs> he is inventing the tree he's going to die on. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. In creation. Mm. He's he is. He is making the people mm. who are going to whip him and nail him to a cross. He's making the bush that they're going to get the thorns from. That's good. That's going to be pressed into his brow. Yeah. He's, he's making the ore, the iron ore. He's pulling together the elements to make the iron ore that's going to be made into nails to drive through his own hands. Mm. Um, that, that's where he is in creation. Wow. Wow. That's good. And then Peter comes along in First Peter, yeah. <clears throat> and First Peter chapter one, verses seventeen to seventeen through twenty, and he says something really uh, interesting about uh, Christ and his work, his salvific work, right? Uh, he says this. What am I? Seventeen. Mm -hmm. Okay, so. And if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourself with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you are ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. Verse 20. He was foreknown mm -hmm. before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for your sake, who through him you are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. Yeah. Look at verse 20. He was foreknown yeah. before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in this last time for your sake. Yeah. Yeah. So the foreknowledge there, that that word uh pro gnosko. So gnosko means to know and pro means before. So he he knew beforehand yep. what Christ's purpose and work was going to be. And he was unveiling that redemptive plan here in creation. So all this creation that you see in Genesis 1 is really a redemption story. It's the start yeah. of a rescue plan. That's it. Yeah. So, so redemption is not a reaction. Mm. It was the original plan in the first place. That's it. That's it right there. Yeah. 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 So so let's look at uh, Jesus as wisdom mm -hmm. from God. Where's Jesus in creation? Well, we're going to find him show show up as God's wisdom. Oh, man. In all of creation. Oh, yeah. So let's look at first Corinthians one. Verses 30 and 31. <clears throat> and because of him, you are in Christ Jesus who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. So that as it is written, 
let the one who boasts, boast in Christ. So Paul here is saying that Christ himself became wisdom from God. Now, what we know from the wisdom literature in Proverbs is that there's an interesting personification of wisdom that shows up in Proverbs chapter eight. Mm-hmm. Um, I want you all to go and read Proverbs. You want to read some of Let, it? Let's read. Yeah, I, let's I read want them to. It. I want them to see this, John, because this this connection is so important. It's it's yeah, super I significant. I agree to understand the person of Jesus Christ and the work of Jesus Christ and yeah and and yeah. So as the writer of Proverbs is talking about the blessing of wisdom, listen to what he says in chapter eight, verse number twenty two. The Lord possessed me at the beginning of his work, Mm -hmm. the first of his acts of old. I'm going to go down to to 27 and read down from there. When he established the heavens, I was there. When he drew a circle on the face of the deep, when he made firm the skies above, when he established the fountains of the deep, when he assigned to the seas its limits, so that the waters might not transgress his command when he marked out the foundations of the earth. Then I was beside him like a master workman. This is wisdom talking. Wisdom is speaking in this passage. Yeah. Yeah. And I was daily his delight Mm -hmm. rejoicing before him, always rejoicing in his inhabited world and delighting in the children of man. This is a personification of wisdom showing up. In the creation account, wisdom says, let me tell y'all, it, it's really talking about the surpassing value of wisdom, why you need wisdom, yeah. why you should go after and, and hold on to. And, and Proverbs is saying, treat it like gold and silver and tie it on your neck and put it on your in your socks and all that stuff. It's saying you need this thing. Mm. And wisdom says, let me tell you how important I am. Let me tell you how long I've been hanging around <laughs> before the world. Mm. And as it's being made. And in fact, through wisdom, yep. God is making this world. Yeah. And I was there mm-hmm. and we high fived <laughs> <laughs> and said, look at look at what's hap- what's happening. Yeah. And the 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 reference, the the um, reference to this rejoicing is God looking at it and making the aesthetic uh, assessment. It's good. Right. And then it's very good. Yeah. Yeah. And and then mm. in first Corinthians, Paul is going to tell us that. Wisdom that was talking in Proverbs showed up in the flesh, not just in concept or in theory, mm-hmm. but that's what Jesus, Jesus, that wisdom put on an earth suit. And that's who Jesus is. Mm-hmm. And that's what Paul says. He says he became wisdom from God. Yeah. And this is why Solomon, out of all the requests he can make as king, mm-hmm. he says, just give me wisdom. Let me get that wisdom off of you. Yeah. Because if I have wisdom, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so we see wisdom show up in the person of Jesus as the creative working force. He says, "I'm God's workman." Yeah, I'm doing all this work. Yeah, I'm yeah. putting in the work for the, creation. The active, again, the idea, mm. according to Colossians, and then the effort of creation, the the actual physical power that brings creation into being. That's Jesus. Mm in the form of the wisdom of God, as the word of God, mm. as God is speaking, Jesus is coming mm. out <laughs> and making this thing happen. 
That's good. Making light out mm-hmm. of darkness and, and separating water from atmosphere and all of those things. Yeah. Yeah. So where else do we see Jesus show up in the text? Well, Jesus himself is the perfect image bearer of God. Mm-hmm. Now, Pete, I know we don't have to spend too much time on this because Sunday. I already taught on it, but just in case. Just in case. Just in case. They didn't hear that message on Sunday. Let's let's talk about Genesis 1, uh, 26 and 27 and the original image bearers, right? Mm-hmm. And now talk about Jesus as image bearer as well. So six day of creation, uh, God creates humankind. Yes. Um, not just men. Okay. No. He creates humankind. humankind. Yeah. So he says in verse number 26, then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heaven and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Mm-hmm. So, so we have here the original image bearers of God. And you unpack this a little bit on Sunday in terms of the mirror image. Yeah, right? yeah God, God projects God's self into creation and says, I want to see what I look like in time, space, and matter. And that's Adam, that's Eve, and that's all of us mm-hmm. prior to our deliberate decision to disobey God. And when we, whenever we deliberately disobey God, having been born with that nature, we lose the moral perfection part of this image while retaining the ability to be conscious and self-aware. So we bear that image, but in a marred way or in a bent or broken way. And so God still wants Mm. to see God's self projected in time, space and matter. And now he gives us another he picture showed, of it. <laughs> he gives us that picture he in Second Corinthians and also in Colossians. So let's look at Second Corinthians first, because the perfect image bearer shows shows up. Once that image has been marred, uh, we see that Christ Himself shows up. Second Corinthians chapter four, verses three and four, um, and even if our gospel is veiled. It is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded their minds, blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Paul is saying that they're blinded from seeing the perfect image of God show up in the person and work of Jesus Christ. Yeah, that 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 Christ is calling other parts of the scripture, the last Adam. Yeah. In in the same way Adam was directly God's image in perfection, Adam and Eve, directly in perfection, God's image. In the same way Christ Mm -hmm. is directly God's image in perfection, albeit not dismissed from divinity Mm -hmm. as Adam was, not just a reflection of divinity, but divinity in essence. It's divinity in its true self, Mm yet physical, yet fully human yeah. in, in that sense. That, so Genesis 1, 26, 27, 28, that speak of that image of God, mm-hmm. Jesus is the perfect embodiment of that because God became human mm-hmm. for the purposes of giving us that perfect image. Yeah, and, and Paul adds to that in, in Colossians 1, 15, an adjective, he says, not just not just is he the image of God, but he's the image of the invisible God. Yeah. 
He's giving you the visible representation of the invisible God that you have up until this point. Yeah. Not been able to tangibly see and know. And, and John, I wasn't going to do this. I wasn't going <laughs> to say this. I wasn't going to do it. Um, it, it the, the, the creation and then the recreation. That's it. Both have um, a marital element. I don't want to deal with it too bad. But but the but the but the sexes are both necessary to reveal the nature of God in the earth. Male and female, he created them mm-hmm. too. Christ is that perfect embodiment, but Christ also has a counterpart, a wife, if would. Mm. But the problem is the wife doesn't fully bear the image yet. That's good. But is becoming <laughs> a perfect counterpart for 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 her perfect mate and that wife is the church so that in the new creation mm. Christ as Adam and the church as it were in place of Eve mm. will both bear that image definitely perfectly. don't bear don't bear that image right now no 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 not, not yet doc. <laughs> not yet we, that's, that's what sanctification <laughs> that wisdom of God in mm-hmm. first Corinthians 3 that's sanctif- first Corinthians 1 30 mm-hmm. that sanctification part mm-hmm. is we, we're becoming being made into being conformed into mm-hmm. um, the image of Christ and that union mm-hmm. that 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 Ephesians 5 speaks of that that revelation is going to call us the bride of Christ gives this idea of how God God bringing us back to that original intent mm. of 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 community mm. being necessary to fully represent the divinity mm. of God. Mm. Yeah. Now, we've talked about before uh, illustrations, parables, the stories that Jesus told that were very helpful to understanding um understanding timeless truths, right? Mm-hmm. So, and you alluded to this a little bit earlier, but Creation, the redemption story also includes Christ's instruments yes. of his redemption. That Christ himself would use uh, illustrations and stories and parables from items that he created in the mm. beginning. I can just imagine him uh, creating the mustard seed and he's like, oh, this is going to be good. Oh, wait till I get to this. Wait till I get to this. <laughs> I like it. I like it. He creating yeah. that camel and like, oh. Yeah, I'm, that's gonna be a good one. Yes. Imagine yeah. being able to create create your own illustrations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean the the creative genius of God. I heard an old preacher say years ago, man, how do you how do you come up with a concept like mm-hmm. water? Mm-hmm. How do you how do you God invented round? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you yeah. know, just that creative genius, and then to 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 implement yeah. um um or, or explain truth through what he has implemented in creation. Yeah. You know those ideas that the I'm going to I'm going to make water. I'm going to give it these physical properties and then one day I'm going to prove I'm me by superintending over top of the physical properties I made. I'm just going to walk on it. Mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm. That kind of mm. that kind of idea. But wow. the, but instruments, yeah, that he's going to use in the redemptive work. Yeah. It's going to be significant. So so Genesis 1 and you kind of talked about how it has this orderly account that that before God's feel Feels the water, feels the land with animals. He creates it first and this kind of has this poetic symmetry mm-hmm. across both ends of the spectrum. Well, he, he creates land and water in verses 9 and 10 here mm-hmm. in the text. It says, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together in one place and let dry land appear. Now, as he's creating this, my, my imagination just, just goes to 
uh, John chapter four, mm-hmm. as Jesus uh, encounters this woman at the well, and she's looking for the water that he creates here. Mm-hmm. And as he's creating this, he's he's like, this is going to help somebody. Yeah. <laughs> It's not just providing life and teeming with life for for fish, but mm-hmm. at some point, someone's going to come looking for water, and that water motif yeah. in terms of salvation is going to be big uh, in scripture itself. Yeah, and, and throughout the scripture, water bends to the will of God, bows to the will of God, um, um, is an instrument mm-hmm. that is necessary for for the. Sustenance of physical life, mm-hmm. for sure, mm-hmm. but then also to illustrate how significant spiritual life is. Mm-hmm. It's it's water that's going to part uh, in the Red Sea and at the Jordan River, so Israel can get over um, to the Promised Land. It's water that's going to mm-hmm. um, uh, uh, blush and turn into wine to prove the first miracle. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? It's it's going to be um, water that. Jesus is going to say, you know, that all that water that you get a cool drink, I'm, I'm that. I'm living. Mm-hmm. I'm living water. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and then the the nature of what it's like to be parched, how spiritually mm-hmm. awful it is to be parched. Mm-hmm. Um, he's going to illustrate on the cross to say, and when he says, I thirst. Mm-hmm. Like the necessity of water for human existence. Yeah, yeah. The, the, yeah. The, it, so even in creation, we see this instrument, this very vital instrument, not mm-hmm. just for mm-hmm. physical life, but also for the for, for the redemptive story. Mm-hmm. We're going to get to heaven and the new Jerusalem ain't going to be like the old one because <laughs> the old one, the nearest river is the Jordan, which is 70 miles. Now, there's a brook that runs by mm-hmm. and you can find some water a couple places, but they, every great civilization put their major city by a river, the Nile. Yeah. Yep. Um, the Tigris and Euphrates from Babylon, all of those, all of, every great civilization, the Mississippi here, mm-hmm. all, you know, it's so important to the history of the U.S., those kinds of things. Rivers are necessary for everybody. But in Jerusalem, it was it wasn't no river until you get to heaven. And now there's one that's running down the, Straight m- down the middle. center of the city. Yes, sir. Yeah. Clear as crystal. Yeah. Because the Jordan was muddy. Mm. It's mm-hmm. muddy. It's right now. If you go to Jordan, it's <laughs> muddy. <laughs> but this one is clear as crystal because this water motif mm. that creation speaks of runs all the way through Revelation mm. about how significant it how significant it is mm. to have clean, clear yeah. water for life. Water yeah. represents life. And you're going to see the same thing with vegetation in mm-hmm. verses 11 and 12 mm-hmm. that Jesus uses that vegetation that he creates to. Um, use parables as illustrations, wheat and tares, mm-hmm. and talking about the mustard seed growing into this large uh, kingdom, the mm-hmm. smallest seed growing into the largest kingdom. Does the same thing with animals. Yeah. That yeah. when you look at sheep <laughs> in scripture, yeah, motif, yes. right? <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> the shepherd sheep motif shows up in, in Psalm 23. Mm-hmm. And as the psalmist is writing this, when Jesus created that sheep in Genesis, he knew one day that David would pin that psalm that really impacts our lives so deeply even today even though we're not a, an agrarian culture yeah there's something about psalm 23 that is comforting yeah so even in making sheep right and making as i said camels and making birds of the air and yeah. he talks about anxiety and how god provides for the birds of the air yeah. um and we shouldn't be anxious if god's going to provide for this bird of the air yeah then he's certainly going to provide for us yeah and and you talk about those that vegetation those those um, the 
vegetation that he tells uh, Adam and Eve, this is, I've given you everything you need to survive. And then when you get to the animals, it's going to be animals that are going to be sacrificed mm. so that he does not just identify mm. humankind, the lost with animals. He himself will then identify wow. with the animals as as the Lamb of God. We've read a couple of passages that speak of him as the Lamb of God. We also see passages where he's referred to as the Lion of the tribe of Judah. Um, we see him uh, in those ways and, and through those illustrations so that creation, all of it points again <laughs> to who God is, who Christ is, why we need him and what, how we should live yeah. as a result of him. Yeah. yeah. And as you mentioned, he even he doesn't just create the pieces for illustrations. I mean, the gr- the greatest um, usage of these works are going to be um, ones that find him on the cross. Mm-hmm. That as he's creating wood, yeah. it's going to be on his back. Yeah. And as metal is framed, he knows it's going to go through his hands. But he doesn't. Um, he doesn't prevent that from happening. Yeah. Because he he knows it's part of his his redemptive plan. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. God God has always there is nothing wasted in creation. Um, there's nothing extraneous. It is all a part of revealing the glory of God and mm-hmm. what is necessary for for life and and new life. Mm-hmm. Uh, all in creation, and even even the parts of creation that seem uh, extraneous are necessary the there is a the god's assessment it's good is not just a functional assessment it's more of an aesthetic assessment god creates things sometimes just to be beautiful (laughs) just for the beauty of them i think we talked about that in another uh in another um um, podcast uh bible study it Mm. it's that some things are made just to be beautiful Mm. and um and that's that's the incredible story of how christ formed and fashioned and willed and mm. strategically aligned mm. all things in creation for his redemptive ends. Yeah. And, and if you look close enough, what we will find in the opening chapter of Genesis is God laying out his entire redemptive plan. Mm-hmm. Uh, you won't see it explicitly, but you certainly see the way God brings about his salvific work in our lives yes. in the opening chapter of Genesis yeah. that he has this orderly account of creating mm-hmm. the universe. Yeah. But what we're going to find is he has this orderly account of rec- recreating yeah. us yes. as human beings. So, yeah. so he did start with the end in mind, but he also started with us in mind. Yeah, absolutely. It, 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 the way God makes the world yeah. is the way God remakes humankind yeah. in in the salvation process. And you know, it it, it lays out so incredibly mm. the the beauty and the strategic genius of God mm. Um, mm. is is incredible when you read Genesis one and then you see how God redeems humankind. Yeah. yeah. So you see it start with with chaos. Mm-hmm. Like there's this void, there, there's chaos, and scripture tells us in verse two that the spirit of God is hovering. Mm-hmm. Like it's almost like he's waiting to dig in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and as soon as God says, let there be light, he certainly does. Yeah. And the world is formed. And the same thing happens in our salvation process. Yeah. That 
for some people, it's just that moment where the spirit of God is just hovering yeah. over our lives. Yeah. And he's just waiting for that moment where God says it's, it's really time to dig it, it, in. It is. It, so the, the, why would you start with, the, with, that, with that descriptive? <laughs> yeah. the, the earth is without form mm-hmm. and void. So there's material, there's matter, and, and, there's, and darkness covers the face of the deep. That, that's, a, again, this is something to be understood in a larger idea than just the physical reality of it. Although the physical reality um, can be understood to be real and, and literal in that sense that, that everyone says that there's this soupy, <laughs> chemically right. kind of, 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 you know, whether people believe in God or not. Everybody agrees there was this kind of void, no order, just kind of stuff just laying around that somehow then starts coming into order. Mm. In the same way our souls and our lives, are, that, mm. that is the perfect description of a lost person. Mm. Our lives are just mm. void. There's no point to it. It's empty. And we're in darkness. Mm. Mm. And yet the spirit is not intimidated by the darkness and the emptiness. That's good. That's good. The spirit is still hovering. <laughs> and somebody's experiencing that right now. Like you're kind of trying to figure out this faith thing and mm. point of life and what's going on and why. And yet somebody told you to tune in and there's something hovering Mm. in your life right now. Mm. And I believe God is speaking Mm. in the same way to bring that order to you and, and to bring that sense of, of, of meaning Mm. that can only come when you trust Christ. Mm. Yeah. The spirit, you, you don't, the spirit doesn't start working after you start believing. That's good. The spirit is at work to bring you to the place of belief mm. in the first place. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. That's how God starts. Yeah. And even when you're in your darkest moments, yeah. he's still there hovering. Yeah. And so what we find next in the text, the first thing that appears is light. Light. Like outside of creating everything else, he says that what needs to happen initially is light needs to shine on creation. Yeah. And that's where our salvation process is like as well. Mm. That, that, Christ himself says, in order for me to recreate you, I have to now shine light on the dark places in your life yeah, so that you can now walk in the light. And that that light, our time is running, but that light (laughs) in creation. And again, the 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 science says Mm -hmm. that light, you look at day one, day four, light came before the light. So Mm -hmm. so light existed before the sun and the stars exist. Science says that's true, yeah. that there are these luminary elements before gravity pulled the sun together. <laughs> these luminary elements existed and there was light before there was the lights. In the same way, salvation happens, Pastor John, sometimes where, where there's, a, there's clarity or there's something that we know even when we don't know it fully. I think anyone who walks with Jesus will say, when you got saved, there was light, but it wasn't crystallized. Like you didn't have a full understanding yeah. of, of what was going on in your life and what the spirit was doing. Mm-hmm. And it takes time and teaching and walking with God to be like, oh, that's what happened to me and when and why I came to believe. Um, mm-hmm. You can, the, the light of Christ shining in your life doesn't mean that everything is automatically totally understood. Mm-hmm. There's still some more Hmm. Hmm. learning to do, Hmm. but what it does do is it lets you see Hmm. your need for God Hmm. 
your need for Christ and, and it gives you the opportunity to make the most important decision you will ever make, which is to say yes to Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And then once light appears, God is very intentional in verse number four by separating the light from the darkness. Yeah. Like you would think that that was implied, Mm-mm. but here in the text, there's an intentional separation mm-hmm. of the light from darkness. And when it comes to our recreation, yeah, that's what's supposed to happen. Yeah. Well, I mean, we got a lot. We This, this, this could be a whole lesson because <laughs> it, it depends on which darkness you want to talk about um, revealing. Exodus is going to say that God dwells mm-hmm. in deep, deep darkness. There's a mystery to yeah. God. Yeah. But if you see darkness, if we see it in in another way that the scripture talks about it as as sin and ungodliness, there is that separation, which it's amazing to me that God lets the darkness exist at all. Mm. He separates it, but he, he because opposites can exist without opposition in the same way that 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 the light shines and gives us a clue mm. and an idea and a, and the revelation of Christ. God still allows for God's own redemptive purposes and strangely enough in a way that brings God eternal glory God still allows disobedience and dysfunction and and darkness to exist in the world and you know for all the people who want you know the term is theodicy the, the reason for evil in the world all the people who God established in creation I don't I didn't I didn't do away with the darkness I just made sure there was some light somewhere <laughs> so that you didn't have to live in it always. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in the same way with our experience, uh, you know, the, the, the light time, the times of light uh, that we enjoy and we relish in and we are grateful for would not be as light <laughs> if there were no dark times to compare it to, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Yeah. So, so a couple of different things as we close here. Finally, the creation produces fruit. Yeah. Uh, just like in our own recreation, uh, you think about the fruit of the spirit in Galatians five, we are to produce the yes. fruit of the spirit. Yeah. Once that light has shined in our hearts. Right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And that 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 fruit is not for us. It is clearly, <laughs> mm-hmm. Jesus says, for the glory of God. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. For the yeah. glory of God. And then finally, creation in Genesis one twenty eight to 31 ends in dominion and rule for Adam and Eve. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, the fall marred that. But what we're going to see in Christ Himself is that do- that dominion and rule is ultimately going to be reestablished yes. in the person and work of Christ. Yeah, yeah, and and that that rule is then shared. With those who suffer with Him mm-hmm. will also reign yeah. with Him. Mm-hmm. Christ, the Lord, the the Sovereign, mm-hmm. and we who have that delegated authority wow. in 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 the in the eschaton mm-hmm. we too will share in that reign mm. not as not as sovereigns but as participants in the glory yeah that, that he delegates to us so what we see is before anybody else is born before the israelites jack anything up <laughs> before david and Bathsheba, mm, yeah that the redemptive story shows up in the first 31 verses yeah. of scripture mm-hmm. and brings us hope and brings us light and demonstrates to us Christ. But you have to look for him yeah, because he's not explicitly referenced here, but because of some of the tools that we've given you all, hopefully you're able to see Christ show up in some of these passages where you're like, well, where is he? Yeah. 
Yeah, he's there. He's there. And John, it is so that in the same way you have to look for him in the Old Testament, you got to look for him everywhere else. Yep. And in the same way that he is there on every page of the scripture, he's also there in every page of your life (laughs) and has been there. Well, thank you for joining us on this episode of the Grow Factor podcast, where we help you all find Christ in creation. We do hope that this episode has helped you to look for Christ in every text that you find in the Old Testament and the new as well. I want you to do me a favor. Go over to our Facebook page, The Growth Factor. We have a growing community over there who is being shepherded by our online campus pastor, Pastor Chris. And we'd love for you all to join us over there as we continue to provide you with content over there as well. And also follow us, subscribe to our podcast on all major podcast platforms. We appreciate you all for joining us this season as we continue to provide you with content to help you grow here. This has been The Growth Factor, a broadcast ministry of St. Mark Baptist Church. Be sure to follow this podcast on your favorite podcast platform and join our Facebook group, The Growth Factor, for daily motivational content. Let's keep the conversation going. Thank you for listening.